and welcome to Star Talk All Stars. I'm your host, Natalia Reagan, primatologist, comedian, but I am joined with another hilarious comedian, oh, Andrea jo- uh, Jones Roy. Uh, we are absolutely thrilled to have our guest in studio today. Uh, and, and studio, by the way, we're, we're recording at Stand Up New York. It's a great uh, stand up club. You should come visit. But we've got Astro Katie, famous on Twitter, but we've got Katie Mack, a theoretical astrophysicist. Uh, she's a professor at North Carolina, uh, North Carolina State. And uh, she's going to talk to us today about something you guys really wanted to ask questions about, dark matter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, what exactly is dark matter? So we're thrilled to have you. Uh, You are absolutely famous on the Twitters for just taking down the trolls. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what it's like being you. Oh, uh, on on Twitter or or in just like in general, the real world? just because oh. I'm kind of basking in your glory right now. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't. I have no idea how to answer that question. Uh, Twitter Twitter is an interesting place. I I really I really like being able to be on Twitter and talk to people about science or about whatever. And you know, there's so many good conversations, and sometimes there are really bad conversations, and you just have to kind of like push that stuff aside. Um, and, uh, sometimes that goes in interesting places, but, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a strange, it's a strange little ecosystem over there on the Twitters. Um, but I'm enjoying it. I, I, I get to, I get to talk a lot of science with a lot of cool people. So it's really fun. Dare I ask what the bad conversations are? Cause naively I'm like, how bad could it get? We're talking about <laughs> astrophysics. And then I'm like, Oh, well, I bet it could get a little bad, but uh, well, well, in the in the astrophysics conversations, it's usually okay. okay. Although occasionally people do want to explain astrophysics to me. Oh, cool! Um, oh, that must be helpful. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but if you if you talk about climate change right, or it. stuff like yeah. that, it, it can get it can get pretty dicey. Okay. So. There are lots of things where it's like you, you you send the tweet and you just know you're gonna spend the next half hour blocking people, you know. Oof. Like that's just some sometimes that happens. Yeah. But I'm always impressed with your ability to just sort of thwart the trolls with just just fact, you know, the fact that you have a PhD and, <laughs> and maybe you have scienced enough. And yeah, yeah, go go ahead and Google uh, Katie Mack and her ability to thwart the trolls because I'm I, I think you do an excellent job, you know, not being a jerk, but basically just like, hey man. I know my science. <laughs> so, yeah, speaking of, of, of your ability to, uh, to, to science, we have some great questions from our listeners out there. Thank you for sending in so many great cosmic queries. So, Andrea, yes. will you do us? I am the reader the, uh, of the questions. Exactly. Right, I'm, ready. I'm ready. So, all of these questions are about dark matter. Excellent. You've been warned. Uh, our first question comes from Jared Dexter on Patreon. Patreon. Who asks, is it possible what we call dark matter is really the gravitational influence of matter from nearby universes? Oh, interesting. So this is this is an idea that's actually been around for a while that that we might there might be sort of a parallel universe where gravity can travel between the sort of space between uh, our universe and the other universe. Okay. And, and so you could have some influence there. Um, it's one of these things where it's it, doesn't necessarily solve the problem. Like even okay. if that even if that were the case, and there were some kind of like gravitational interaction between this stuff and the other place, you still have to figure out what it is on the other universe and how it got there. Oh, so, okay. So uh, it so just pushes yeah. the problem. Yeah, yeah. To the yeah. other universe, exactly. like they'll deal with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and it you know it comes up once in a while because because one of the ideas around the idea that there could be higher dimensions of space. So like, you know, we live on a three dimensional space and there could be another one. And the space in between is this higher dimension, fourth dimension of space. Okay. Um, The idea of having extra dimensions of space is that 
gravity, but nothing else can travel between the dimensions. And so there are a lot of things that can come out of that where it can change the force of gravity that we experience here. And you could have influence from the gravity on in the other space. Um, And so, you know, every once in a while, because we see the gravitational influence of dark matter, but we don't see what it is. Yeah. People bring this up, but I, I think it's the, the usual, consensus or the, the the sort of working model is that it's just some kind of new particle that's okay. here in our space okay but for whatever reason we can't see it can i ask a really boring question which is so dark matter i don't know what dark matter is i don't either oh cool yeah <laughs> so we're done <laughs> nobody, All right, great. nobody knows for sure well so like i'm conflating with yeah. like gray matter in the brain where it's just we label the things we don't understand so it's, it's sort of like that it, okay. it's what dark matter is it, it should really be called invisible matter so okay. it's, it's matter, so it's something that has gravity, it has mass, but we can't see it. It's invisible, and it's invisible in the sense that, based on what we understand, it doesn't seem to interact with light. So it doesn't okay. interact with electromagnetism. Any types of light. Yeah, like electromagnetism in general. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, and so if that's the case, then not only does light pass right through it uh, and not reflect or not mm. be emitted by it, but also it can pass through other matter because Gravity, because electromagnetism <laughs> is, is what makes it possible for things to like bounce off each other. Okay. So when you when you touch something, it's like the electrons in your hand touching the electrons in the other thing, uh, or you know, not touching but pushing against yeah. with, with electromagnetism. And that's why things feel solid to us. So if dark matter doesn't feel electromagnetism, it can pass right through other matter. So it ends up being invisible, and it ends up being this sort of ghostly stuff that can pass cool. through. But it has gravity, and that's that seems to be. That's consistent with all the observations we have, that something is out there that does gravity but doesn't do electromagnetism, and so we can't see it, but we feel its effects in the way that other things in the universe are moving. Is that what makes it, is that what it constituted being matter, is the fact that it has some sort of gravity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how we, that, that's how we know it exists. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we, we see other things in the universe that we can see, stars and galaxies, and we see how they're moving differently. We can um. even see, we can even see the effects of the gravity of dark matter bending the space around it. Okay. So oh. this is, this comes huh. back to Einstein's idea that, that gravity is just curvature in space time. So yeah. Kind of this, you know, this picture of like a bowling ball in the middle of a trampoline as, as a gravitational Which well. A wonderful yeah. way to spend an afternoon. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so dark matter does that. It bends the space okay. around it. And we can tell because we can see the light from distant objects being curved okay. around and multiple images of very distant galaxies and stuff because of this extra gravity that dark okay. matter is adding to galaxies. And, and this is totally different from black holes, which we know are a thing. Yeah, yeah. So, well, these technical terms for yes. you, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. These are real. I mean, a black hole is uh, the sort of the end result of a dead star that's collapsed on itself it. and okay. created this really, really like deep gravitational well in one spot. And every once in a while, people bring up the possibility that maybe dark matter is invisible because it's a whole bunch of little black holes mm. running around, but that doesn't seem to fit the data very well at the okay. moment. A swarm of black holes. Yeah, yeah. But it seems like probably... I would watch that. But then would that be a lot of spaghettification? If, you know, because the idea that... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you hit one, that would be bad. That would be bad. (laughs) Yeah, so so when I... I used to to work on this idea that that maybe, maybe dark matter could be, like little black holes that were formed in the very early universe and there's just a whole lot of them. And at some point I calculated like how often would one like pass through a human and just like 
like implode them. <laughs> and, it was, oh. and it was very rare. It was like, too, is this something I need yeah. to worry about? Now? I know. Like, no. like in my so day to day life, climate change was on my mind already, but now I mean, it turns implosion. out, just, <laughs> yeah, it turns out it would be so rare that it wouldn't okay. even be worth calculating. Like it's not even worth writing up, which is kind of a bummer, but, oh. but then no, it's not, but then no, I'm fine with that. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. then there are also lots of other reasons from other data why probably that doesn't work. So probably dark black holes do not make up the dark matter. It's okay. probably some kind of new, particle that we just cool. haven't been able to detect yet. What is spaghettification? Because I want to oh, use that word in my life. I, yeah, I feel like Katie is best to describe I what mean, this it's, is. It sounds awesome. It's, it's a great term. Yeah, yeah, it's a fantastic term. It's it's a technical term in the black hole literature. Yes. And it's this idea that if you're falling into a black hole, As you like, do. Let's, say yeah. you, <laughs> let's say that you're falling into the black hole feet first, the, the gravity <laughs> okay. is increasing so strongly as you get close to the black hole that your feet experience a much stronger gravitational pull than your head. And so the black hole stretches you out like cool. spaghetti. And that's spaghettification. Cool. I like that they're like, you know what, we need a word for this. Ah, we'll just I use the that, one. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, was it Stephen Hawking that came up with that? Uh, I'm not sure if he came up with it initially, but he'd used it a lot. He, he, might, yeah. he might have come up with it. But we've actually, I mean, we've seen black holes like ripping up clouds of gas and, and stars even. Oh. And they, they do that, you know, stretch out thing. It's called a tidal force. Cool. Yeah. Title force. My next trip to an Italian restaurant, I'm gonna be like, this is dark. <laughs> Black holes. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I want to ask you another a Facebook question um, related to this from, I'm going to get his name wrong, Vijay Pogaku. Okay. From Facebook, who wants to know who coined the word dark matter and why we call it that. Oh, uh, I think that, I think it was Fritz Wicke in the 1930s. That was my guess, too. Yeah, I'm not, I'm yeah. not 100% yeah, sure, Wicke but it's Fritz Wicke. Really good at I was yeah. like, come on, VJ, yeah, <laughs> this is Fritz yeah, Wicke. It was, it was like dark material or something. It, was it ever something that people had multiple names for and then we converged on this or from the beginning, like he found it out and then everyone was like, yeah, that's Oh, fine. that sounds well, like what I call, yeah, you know. Pe- yeah. People have talked Bad about, matter. yeah, people have <laughs> talked about like missing matter um, very times uh, as talking about the phenomenon of of there seems to be extra stuff yeah um but i don't know that anybody's really had another term that they okay. frequently use for dark matter okay i think we should call it invisible matter but okay yeah, you heard it here to first me. it's because it's not dark it's not like a black thing you know it's just it's just you can't it's invisible light goes right through like when mm-hmm. you think of something dark you think of something where all the light's absorbed and like, it doesn't doesn't reflect. Hence my confusion. It reminds of black me of, holes. Uh, you know, just, yeah. uh, I don't know. Do you guys remember the never ending story? Yes. Remember the nothing? Yes. It just like, it like envelops the universe or something, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, I don't know. It's like encroaches. Yeah. That but it sounds like the, no- or the dark matter, if, if it can technically pass through things mm. without being detected. It's- so how long have we known about dark matter? Either since Fitz yeah. Swimmy or whatever. Fitz Not his name. <laughs> yep. Um, so I think he I think he was one of the first people or, or maybe the first person to come up with it. Um, and that was in the 1930s. So, there, okay. there, so for a long time, it's been clear that the motions of galaxies and stars in the universe are a little bit weird and okay. probably need something new to explain it. Um, in the 1970s, um, Vera Rubin was looking at spiral galaxies and how stars are moving around galaxies and and her measurements of spiral galaxies sort of was those were one of the things that like really got the whole community behind this idea that there's some missing matter okay there were several other people involved but she often gets the credit because she was like one of the people who was like really on the forefront of that yeah yeah and so so it's been it's been very mainstream since the 70s as like this is something we need to deal with as astronomers. We yeah. need to put this into our equations and take yeah. account of it. Um, but I think the, the idea stretches back to observing clusters of galaxies moving around in, um, in like the thirties. Okay. It reminds me of, of planet nine, just the idea mm. that 
they assume that it's there because yeah. of the gravitational pull or the fact yeah, that yeah. it looks like you know things are actually moving be- because of this rogue or, or potential planet but is it yeah. there we don't really or we don't really yeah. know much about it so yeah and this is something that happens every once in a while where you see you see something acting a little strange and and you just need to add a new right component sure. and then everything kind of fits together i mean i think they i think that's how neptune was discovered i could be wrong yeah, like something that, weird's <laughs> going on oh it's a planet <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah it's just neptune well yeah. there was like there was some kind of um you know different motions in the outer solar system that only made sense if there was another planet yeah. out there yeah yeah. Well, now I'm thinking of like back when we thought that the Earth was the center and a lot of our calculations worked until we got more information. And we were like, we have to add too many weird add-ons. Oh, yeah, add yeah little epicycles. Right. And, like, yeah, you have to have everything moving around right. like, on their own little circles around the Earth. And then the, then you have to offset the Earth from center of that. And it's just gets, and like at some point yeah, you're like, so okay, let's just start over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so is yeah. it possible that dark matter is an example of like an idiosyncrasy that we can't, idiosyncrasy to us? And this is actually a sign that we're thinking about the universe wrong, or am I getting too excited about that? I mean, that's calm that down, comes Andrew. Up so calm that, down. I was like, it's, our models are wrong. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's a question that comes up all the time because the the problem that we have right now is that we have really good evidence for our dark matter being there, but we can't detect the particle. We haven't yeah. yet detected the particle, yeah. so we, we're like, probably this is some kind of new particle. But we have all these dark matter detectors. We have all these experiments. We have things we're looking for signatures of the particle interactions in space. And there have been a couple of like interesting little hints, but nothing that's like conclusive. And so a lot of people are like, well, maybe, you know, maybe it's not really there. Um, But the problem is that like the data fit this idea so well. You know, I mean, we have so many pieces of data that say, you know, like if you look at, if you look at galaxies and you look at how stars are moving around in galaxies, it, it makes a lot more sense if there's just a whole lot of dark matter, you know, clumping that the galaxy is sort of inside a clump of. Um, and there are ways to tweak the gravitational force to get to get the galaxies to look okay by, you know, changing gravity but not adding dark matter. But then when you get out to farther mm. distances, when you start looking at clusters of galaxies, when you start looking at gravitational lensing, this bending of light, when you look at cosmology, like the distribution yeah. of galaxies on large scales, the history of how galaxies have grown over time, and then you can even look at patterns, oh, yeah. like patterns in the, uh, the background light of the Big Bang, the, the cosmomicroid background, you look at patterns in that, and that also gives you evidence that there's this extra matter. Yeah. Like, all of that fits together if there's wow. some new particle that has mass, but we don't see it. And there's never been a, a way to just, like, tweak gravity or some other yeah. part of the model that, that answers all of those questions. Wow. I'm trying to think of an example of something that's like, this thing explains all this stuff that we see, but we don't know yeah. what this thing is, well, you know? The, the example yeah. I, I use a lot is, like, if you're walking down the street and you uh, you see, like, a plastic bag move across in front of you, and then you see a street sign move, and then you start to feel a little cold on one side, yeah. like, and you hear kind of a noise through the trees, and the trees are bending over, you're like, I can't see that, but I'm pretty sure, <laughs> sure it's, windy. it's windy. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, I'm about to get murdered? I don't yeah. know. Like, that's yeah. 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 And there are, you, can, you can come up with explanations for each of those right. things that don't involve wind but once you put sure. wind in there okay. like everything fits and so that's it's like one day humans were like wind matter. and now we just need to do that for yeah. dark matter i mean yeah. I, I feel like we can see that even in like in the anthropology world when we're trying mm. to fill in the puzzle that is human origins and just understanding right. like where did this tree how did we become who we are now and so mm. it's like literally like you said just sort of like you know picking and and you know filling in blanks and going wait there's something missing and yeah. just keep looking and now with like being able to sequence ancient dna we're able to find those missing pieces and, so, it, right, right. and um, like, we were right the whole time we were right, right. Ah, yeah. Yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, realizing there really is no missing link but hopefully 
you know, with the more research that's being done, because like you said, it, it seems to be pointing that there's got to be something there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope so. You know, I'm working on uh, thinking about how the dark matter would have affected the first stars and galaxies when those were forming, and that might be an interesting place to go. There was some interesting recent results that may or may not um, tell us something about dark matter Ooh. in the time of the first stars. Like basically, they were looking at the, they were using these new radio telescope uh, techniques to look at the gas in which the first stars were forming. And they found that it, it looks like it's colder than it should be. Mm. And one of the possible explanations mm. for that is that the dark matter was really cold and it somehow interacted with the gas to cool down mm. the gas. Ah. We don't know for sure if that's a good explanation of that or even if the observation will hold up with future right. observations. But you know, there are some interesting possibilities for yeah. new creative ways to look at this question. And hopefully one of those will pan out. Or you know, new detectors. We have new detectors all the time that are doing innovative things to Great. try to find the particle. Yeah. So there, is, there are lots of possibilities. I, I really hope that we'll figure it out um, soon. But, well, this you know, is it's all a mystery right now. very exciting. So we're going to have to wrap up this uh, portion of the show, but stay tuned. We've got more Cosmic Queries with Katie Mack and our comedian, Andrea Jones-Roy, and myself, Natalia Reagan. Hello and welcome back to Star Talk All Stars. I'm your host Natalia Reagan. I'm here with a hilarious uh, comedian Andrea Jones Roy and theoretical astrophysicist Katie Mack. We are so happy to have you talking about dark matter because we don't know what Excellent. the heck we're talking about, <laughs> <Right>. and you do. <laughs> right. And I should say I asked in the first segment uh, on my own behalf for you to explain what dark matter is, but we also Adam Dustin from Facebook asked the same thing, so I feel less bad. No, about myself. You, for not, you, I was like, everyone seems to know what dark matter is. We're all asking we're all, this question. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, great. Perfect. Wonderful. All right. Well, I have another question. <laughs> well, thanks for your question. Yeah. Thank we you. And sorry it, for plagiarizing it from you. Okay. So this one, let's do the question from my radar. Okay. This is brought to us by my radar. This is coming from Twitter from Jonathan Martinez. Who wants to know how you measure dark matter? Oh, uh, there are lots of different ways to okay. learn something about dark matter. Um, so dark matter is a, is a fun mystery because there are so many ways to approach it. Because there are some things in astrophysics where you know that something's going on, but you kind of only have one measurement you can do. And if that measurement doesn't work out, you're, you, you get stuck. With dark matter, um, it's cool because... So basically it's you know clumps of some kind of invisible matter throughout space and it, it clumps around galaxies and, and clusters of galaxies. And so you can measure things like how the, the stars and galaxies are moving around within that to see, to measure the gravity of the thing. Um, you can measure how the space is bending around uh, these massive clumps of, of matter. And so that's gravitational lensing. And so you can see all these interesting things about yeah. how the, the light is bent. Um, and you can also look at things like, like one of my favorite ones is where you have, like two clusters of galaxies that collided with each other sometime cool. in the past. And they've, they've sort of passed through each other and the galaxies went through and the dark matter went through, but a bunch of the gas in the galaxies got stuck in the center. Okay. And so you can, you hmm. can kind of figure out like, like looking at the aftermath of like a car wreck, like what happened there. And you get, you get hmm. interesting information about how, how sticky the dark matter might be. So okay. if it has oh, okay. some kind of, yeah. if it, if it interacts with itself in a way to slow itself down, then you get, you get that information from, from that uh, collision. So that's one way. And then you can also do things like you can measure in galaxies by looking at how the, the stars toward the outside of the galaxy are moving. You can tell the shape of, of the clump of dark matter, even okay. though you can't see it itself, you can sometimes get interesting information about the shape. Because you're and like, this is what's there clustering any, around it. What yeah, kind of like, shapes yeah. do you usually get? Yeah, I'm just like, curious. Like, does it you know, sort of, yeah, wiener dog? Sort of like, a, 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 yeah, right. I'm thinking of like the rabbit hand. Yeah, or, yeah. You know. 
I mean, they're sort of spherical-ish, you know, they're kind right. of, they're like yeah. lumpy. Yeah. They're sort of lumpy, you know. Um, I can but, relate. But yeah. <laughs> But you can get you can get some information about about like how lumpy or like like if there are small bits of dark matter inside the larger bits of dark matter by looking at yeah. the lensing or how the stars are moving around, and then you can also do all these experiments where you're trying to detect the particle. And so, for example, um, it, so we think that dark matter doesn't really interact with electromagnetism, so it doesn't have an electric charge, it doesn't inter interact with light, but it might interact with the weak nuclear force. Uh, which would mean that every once in a while a dark matter particle could like bounce off of a nucleus of an atom. And if you have a detector set up just right, then when that dark matter particle comes in and bounces off that nucleus, you can see the nucleus move a little bit. And by detector, do you just mean like the world's biggest telescope slash... No, no, you have to put... you. No, like, what you have to do is you have to take like a tank of some kind of material that has, you know, some like... I don't know, something with nuclei in it. And there are lots of different ways to set it up. Okay. But you take this tank and you put it deep underground so that the cosmic rays can't get to it. Okay. And then you shield it with like water or lead or something. Okay. And, and then... Who thinks of this? This, this is, is insane. It's intense. Trust me, guys. This will... I mean, the problem is... like a is, bunker. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and it's yeah. it's wild what you have to do to shield these things because basically there's, there's just a whole lot of space particles coming at us all the time, like cosmic rays. So yeah. muons and, and, you know, charged particles from space and and all sorts of things are constantly bombarding us. And mostly they just pass right through. You don't really notice. But if you're trying to detect like a dark matter particle, like you can't have that happening. Like, yeah. So you have to, you have to shield it as much as you possibly can, yeah. put it deep underground. And then the only things that go through then are like neutrinos and dark matter. Basically. So dark matter particles are coming at us all the time. Dark matter particles are passing. I, I could give you Ooh, a list of the things that are passing good. through you right now. Please. It's a little okay. bit wild. I'm yeah, gonna try so to, I can add to that Okay, list instead too, of <laughs> Mercury in retrograde, I'm going with dark matter. Yeah, like, let's yeah. go for something. Well, so, so yeah, because I, mean, I hate that. Meaningful oh, hate origins of yeah. astrology is like, yeah. oh, no. Well, it's I mean, dark it, just still, dark matter. It still doesn't technically affect you, but but you know, whatever. Um, so so dark matter passes right through. The Earth doesn't care. So there's a whole bunch of dark matter. Particles. Dark matter don't care. Yeah, Hashtag. Yeah, I would, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And then there's yeah, there's neutrinos. A neutrino can pass through like a light year of lead without if, without more than like a five percent chance of interacting. So explain what a neutrino is. A neutrino just... is like it's a kind of like fundamental particle. It's a relative of the electron, but it doesn't have a charge, and it's a lot uh, like lower mass um, and it's neutrinos are produced in the sun in fusion and stuff like that then there are the cosmic rays that are passing through you most of the time they don't interact so that's happening there's all sorts of different parts of the electromagnetic spectrum that don't really uh, get stuck in your body so you get radio waves passing through you you've got like you know potentially x-rays and stuff like that um, microwaves maybe uh, then you've all got all these sound like they cause cancer yeah I mean, you don't want to spend too much time around microwaves, but, uh, you know. Um, okay. That's too bad. I'm probably okay. <laughs> I'm <laughs> child of the 80s. I feel like my whole life, life yeah. <laughs> staring at microwaves. Yeah. Most, most of the time, microwaves, are they're really low energy, so they're fine, but it depends on how, how intense. Um, <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, and then there's... Um, and then you've got like gravitational waves are passing through you all the time, okay. which that's, is a wild thing. Like, yeah, like ripples in space time <laughs> itself. Right. And those, those are, those are wild because they're actually like changing the shape of your body on an infinitesimal level. Oh, I was but about like, to be like, there it is. That's going on with me. <laughs> yeah. I'm having the change. Yeah. It's gravitational waves. <laughs> but it's, goodness. yeah, but it's totally, yeah. it's totally like, so when a gravitational wave, if a gravitational wave comes at you, like at your face, 
Like it, it, what it does is it stretches the space you're in. So you get a little bit taller and skinnier yeah. and then you get a little bit wider and shorter and oh. you like oscillate back and forth. And it's a, a level that's like, I don't know, 10 to the minus 22 or something. It's a right. tiny level. Um, even when there's like black holes colliding, creating these gravitational waves, but they're happening. It's happening all the time. Like it's passing so through question, It's so is, weird. Is, yeah. Do we see this? We, we, I mean, like, is there any way to put, like see it on a very minute scale or is it just, we just can only well, assume it from the data that... You mean the gravitational waves? Yeah. yeah, we can see, well, we can see gravitational waves because we have this, these detectors called the LIGO experiment. Um, so LIGO is, is two detectors in the U.S. There's also Virgo, which is in Italy. And what they are is they're like these long um, sort of tubes with uh, vacuum, like vacuum tunnels with lasers going through them. And they can detect when these tunnels. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And oh, a vacuum tunnel. It's also lazy. a cat toy. Who's thinking yeah. of these things? I, yeah, and they're yeah. like four kilometers long in an yeah. L shape. And they can detect when the length of those tubes um, changes by a thousandth the width of a proton. Okay. So, wow. So over four kilometers, they get that tiny little change in little shape. Wiggle. Yeah, as the, as the gravitational wave is stretching and squeezing in that space. And, that's, and so they can measure these gravitational waves coming through. And they can show us black holes colliding like a billion light years away because they see the wiggles yeah. from space time as the right, right, wave right. comes through. Is yeah. that related to the thing that was in the news like a year ago where it was like, we heard the sound of a black hole? Yeah. Yeah. So they, t they talk about something. it as sound because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, because it turns out that the frequency of that oscillation yeah. is around like the visual, the auditory range for people. So like if you change that, yeah. vibration yeah. Into, into a sound like we can hear it yeah. what did it and sound like so so it's it's kind of neat so it, so it rises in frequency and volume uh -huh. um over time so so if you have so for example we had neutron stars colliding and, and that one sounds it, so it makes what's called a chirp and it goes Ooh. cool yeah it's really cool Anyway, oh, um, that's, 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 a total, that's a total tangent. But, yeah. No, but, it's a great tangent, though. But yeah, so dark matter detectors, you put them deep underground, okay. you, you hope that a particle will bounce off one of your nuclei, and then you look for that bounce. Okay. And that's one of the main ways to do dark so matter So we know detection. that they are coming at us because this happens. Like this. Well, no, we don't. I mean, those, those detectors are mostly coming up empty. Like, there are a couple of weird little signals, maybe something's happening, but for the most part, we don't see that, okay. which means that all we can do is say, you know, the interaction probability is less than a certain okay. amount. And so, so far, all we can do is say, well, they're, you know, they interact less than this and, you know, for this mass or whatever. Okay. And that limit just keeps going down. So it's a little bit, it's getting a little bit worrisome because at, at some point you're going to get to a point where it's really hard to, to detect that little bounce and, and neutrinos are going to be also like giving the same kind of um, the kind of recoils. And so it's going to be really hard to tell, to tell what's, what's really what? happening. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so there are ways huh. around that, like trying to figure out the direction that these okay. bumps are coming from. But yeah, so that's one way. Um, and there's a huge number of experiments trying to do that. And then there's also um, a couple of other experiments looking for different kinds of dark matter with different effects. And then we can look for dark matter particle interactions in the sky where it's possible that dark matter is its own antiparticle. Okay. And if that's the case, Whoa. then two dark matter particles, when they meet, they can annihilate with each other. Uh, so like a cold war of yeah. particles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, <laughs> so anytime you have a big clump of dark matter, then there would be a little bit of like regular matter or radiation being created in the center of that. And if you look for that, uh, that sort of signature in clumps of dark matter, like the center of the galaxy yeah. or 
other galaxies nearby that could tell you something right. about the particle. So that's another thing we're trying to do. But it's still all like triangulation from other effects that we see, given that we can't see these. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so those 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 detection things where we're looking for the particle properties are the ones that we don't have like solid data from yet. But in terms of like, we can map out the dark matter really yeah. well. We can talk about its that's, shape. Yeah. We can say a whole lot about how much there is. It's just figuring out, like, what it's actually made of is really hard. <laughs> What exactly are you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ah, yeah. Uh, do you have some more questions? Yeah, I have more for, questions. I have a question. Okay. For our this listeners at home. Related to, to some of what we were talking about, which is someone from Instagram, uh, Yates underscore Ryan, wants to know if dark matter can be turned into an energy source, if we could capture it, and would it be a green, in quotes, to be hilarious energy source. Right. And I would uh, expand that to any of these waves that are bombarding right, us. Like, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Can we do Just something with this? take it and this? put them to yeah. use. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. With dark matter, it's tough because uh, it, it doesn't like to interact. And like in order to get energy out of something, it's you really have to. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's antisocial I matter. Yeah. I feel it, yeah. Yeah, so I don't I don't know how you would do that. Um, I mean, once we... The, so the thing... So one of the things that... Like, one of the questions I get a lot is like, what what do you get out of it if you figure out what dark matter is? Like, yeah. what, you know, is this going to make my car go faster? Whatever. <laughs> the right? question is like, what are you doing with your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. Of yeah. Why? Why are you doing yeah. this? Why do you care? Yeah. And, and I think, and the, the answer I always give is like, probably the dark matter is not going to be like a useful substance in any way. Okay. But dark matter is one of the few things in physics that doesn't fit into the standard model of particle physics. So it's, if it is a new particle, it's something that doesn't fit into our current framework, yeah. which means that if we figure out what it is, we're, we're going to be automatically like extending our understanding of all of particle physics. And when that happens, like you can sometimes get really cool stuff out of it. I mean, you know, when, when quantum mechanics uh, came up, nobody knew that was going to be useful. And now like it's every, every cell phone is based on like a massively detailed understanding of how quantum mechanics works, you know, gravitational, um, the general relativity, Einstein's theory of gravity, like space time is curved. Who knew that would be useful now? GPS like needs to take that that. into account. So this is sort of like the, argument I hear in science a lot, which is like, you look at these research grant proposals and you're like, why are we studying this tiny frog and whatever, or dark matter that we don't even know exists. And I can't think of how it'd be applied. It's sort of like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, we don't know how it might be I mean, and hopefully just learning for the sake of learning. Yeah. I mean, the intrinsic value of finding this out. Right. Right. So how it might be applied is unknown. We can't know that yet. My, my personal reason for wanting to do this stuff, though, is not about, you know, any kind of apl- application. It's just that, like, we want to understand yeah. how the universe yeah. works. And that's just a basic... You don't want to just make our cars you know, faster? Right. No, I mean, it's, it's like a basic human need. Like, we yeah. want to yeah. understand things. And it's something that, as a society, we've de- decided that this is something that humans care about. So we're going to yeah. invest in it. And so we should, you know? Curiosity Okay, I'm going to find... This is, this is an applied question, too. Okay. But this All is right. an extremely exciting applied question. Are you Ooh, ready? Okay. Yeah. okay, this comes from the Church of Carl Sagan on Twitter, which okay. is cool... Um, her name. <laughs> it appears that dark matter binds the universe together. I don't know if that's true. Okay, that's what he says. Uh, or she. Could this be like the Force in Star Wars and those who tap into it could gain special abilities? Right? Now we're, we know what you're right, up to. Right, right, right. Um, I actually, I have, there's one of the talks that I give about dark matter, like goes through that whole thing about like what the Force is and checks off which aspects of this are consistent yeah. with dark matter. So <laughs> cool. so it's a it's a force that binds the universe together. Well, it's not really a force, but it does bind things together. And this is what we were talking it, about before with the like, it's from another universe and it's well, together or no? Well, it's probably not, it, it, it's probably not from another universe, but it does 
does it does kind of pull it holds together okay. galaxies and clusters of galaxies. So it it, it it's helps a light glue. Yeah, it's a like light, it's, it's kind yeah. of like a, the rubber stuff cement. That, yeah, it's the stuff that kind of keeps keeps our galaxy from spinning apart. I'm trying to think of like you it's know. like the one family member who like organizes all the reunions. Or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> right. Like, I am not that person. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so it, it moves through us. Yes, it does. It moves it moves through all of us. Um, it doesn't have anything to do with living beings. That's the part that okay. kind of gets a little bit weird. Yeah. Um, uh, gives a Jedi their power. Uh, depends yeah. on kind of what you're trying to Is do. Is your power to make <laughs> put dark matter in my coffee? Around you? Yeah, I mean, I, I have the I have the yeah. power to understand galaxies better. So you know, I mean, look, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm I'm voting <laughs> that it's part of the force. We actually have to to wrap up this segment, but uh, be sure to st- uh, stay tuned because we have more cosmic queries with Katie Mack. Uh, theoretical astrophysicist and our wonderful comedian co-host Andrea Jones Roy. Welcome back to Star Talk All Stars. I'm your host Natalia Reagan, joined by uh, my comedian co-host Andrea Jones Roy and theoretical astrophysicist Katie Mack. Yeah, you have to follow her on Twitter at Astro Katie. I'm just telling you, you have to do it. So <laughs> we're taking cosmic queries from yes. listeners at home about dark matter. And we're learning so much, and uh, we're going to learn some more. Yeah, we have more queries. Yeah, bring them. Okay, this one comes from Instagram from Aster C Physics. Could it be possible that dark matter and dark energy existed before the Big Bang? Oh, interesting question. So it 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 sort of depends on what you mean by before the Big Bang. So in advance of the Big Bang. Yeah, no, but yeah, (laughs) maybe three (laughs) seconds. But Big Bang. So so I'm going to get a little technical on the Big Bang because here we go. So when we talk about the Big Bang in cosmology, we're usually talking about the Big Bang theory, which is this this idea that dates back to like the 60s, where we could sell commercials on TV shows for lots of money. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. That's a yeah. That's a whole other conversation. but it, it's basically this idea that in the distant past, the universe was hotter and denser and in some sense smaller than it is today. And it's been expanding and cooling since then. All true and, about me as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. It's much hotter and denser previously. It's true. I've known Andrea yeah, for a while. Yeah, she's, she's just so hot and dense. Exactly. Yeah. She's expanding. Barely. And cooling. Yeah. <laughs> um, Go ahead. Sorry, that was a great joke. I'm just <laughs> yeah, now. Um, so yeah, so the the universe has been expanding; it's been cooling, and we know that because we can actually see the the afterglow of the Big Bang. We can actually because when we look into the distance, we're looking into the past. We can look at parts of the universe that are so far away from us that, from our perspective, they're still on fire. They're still in that cool. early fireball stage, and so that's that's the Big Bang theory. That's that's what we talk about generally when we say the Big Bang theory. But so the theory itself is that the, the universe, universe is expanding and cooling, and it was hot and dense in the past. Okay. It had this hot, dense phase. Um, but then, when most people talk about the Big Bang, they're talking about like the singularity. So this idea right. that 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 everything started in this infinitely dense like state and expanded from that. Right. And that idea is is kind of. It's, it's sort of gotten complicated because we have other evidence that the universe went through a phase of extremely rapid expansion in the very beginning. Um, so it would be after the first moment, but before the hot Big Bang. So the hot Big Bang is this fireball stage. Mm-hmm. And so there's this thing called inflation, which is this idea that the universe was expanding very, very quickly for a short time. And so during that process, it kind of washed out 
what we would know, what we would mm. be able to see from the time before that. So we think that that happened at something like you know less than uh, you know a billionth of a billionth of a billionth of a second after whatever the beginning was, but we can't really see. Th- past that like, so okay. we don't know for sure inflation happened and we don't know like what might have happened before it but if we want to just talk about like the hot big bang and we want to talk about like what happened before the fireball stage then we have really good evidence that dark matter was there okay um because we can see the we can see in that light that background light from the very the, the fireball universe we can see sort of fluctuations in that light that that show us that there was this some matter thing yeah okay. this kind of matter that that you know was able to kind of pass through things and and have that okay. those properties as for dark energy though um, dark energy is something that seems to have only become important in the universe in the last like 5 billion years or so. Hang on, wait, what's the difference between dark energy and dark matter? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Boring. So, so no, people, people ask this a lot cause they, they sound like, you know, they're both mysteries that are called dark. Um, but so the difference is that dark matter is a kind of matter that we just can't see. Dark energy is something that's causing the universe to expand faster. Oh. And we don't know what that is. <laughs> and we call it dark energy, but no relation. No yeah, relation. No yeah, relation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. there are, there yeah. are some you know models that try and link the two, but basically, probably they're. I mean, they act totally differently because dark matter pulls things together, dark energy stretches the universe out, mm-hmm. um, and so dark energy yeah. is something that's making the universe expand faster, and it's becoming more and more important over time. So really, this yeah. is just a war of dark energy and dark matter to just keep kind of I mean, fundamentally <laughs> in one place. No, right? no, fundamentally denser because, expand, denser yeah. expand. Well, because because regular matter is like so unimportant in the universe, like so regular <laughs> so much for all the like wow. too, you matter too but like no, no regular no. regular matter no. insignificant regular matter is something like five percent of the universe oh. and then you've got about 20 percent or 25 percent that's this dark matter yeah so you got about five percent that's regular matter about 25 percent that's dark matter and then okay. about 70 percent that's dark energy and that dark energy wow. slice is getting bigger and bigger huh um, in terms of, you know, if you count up like the yeah. energy of everything in the universe. Are black holes, I'm hung up on black holes, are those part of the 5% matter? Uh, they, yeah, you could, you could probably put them in the regular matter category because they're generally like the after, the, the after effect of a okay. collapsing star. So yeah, you'd put them there. They're, they're a very small fraction of the universe. Is dark energy growing because it's expanding? It's, well, so it's, here's the thing about dark energy. It seems to be that dark energy is probably... Well, it acts just like something called a cosmological constant, which is an idea that Einstein came up with, which is just sort of a property of space. Like space-time just has this property that it expands in this way. It has this sort of expansion like uh, behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the case, then then the density of dark energy just stays constant all the time uh-huh. because it's just a property of space, which means that when space gets bigger because the universe is expanding, you just have more dark energy. And so... Everything else in the universe, as space gets bigger, like dilutes. So mm. we have less so density of regular matter. Four percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so yeah. we have less regular matter, less dark matter in terms of density. But the density of dark energy doesn't change. So so by a fraction of what the universe is made of, yeah. dark energy just keeps going up and up. And as and over time, it's going to be more and more <laughs> of the universe. And eventually, dark energy will just totally dominate the universe. And the universe will be basically empty other than just expanding. <laughs> so it's like dark not, energy. Yeah, oh. not only are we not significant, we're becoming wow. less significant oh, yeah, yeah. as every moment passes. Absolutely. Exactly. I'm, I'm going to just uh, I'm gonna go <laughs> yeah. back to bed now. I don't see the point. Yeah, of, my bed is expanding. You know, um, uh, <laughs> so I have... No. I, have, I have a personal question and then it's going to lead us into another Instagram question. All right. Which is, so I'm interested in this 
this Big Bang piece sure. because okay. the way I learned it when I was in relatively crappy public school was like, there was nothing and then there was something. Oh my God. And a lot of people in my hometown were like, that's evidence that it's God's hand because of right, something. Right, that, right? right. And our Instagram question from Church's Cherry says something similar, which is if, if we say something is caused by the presence of dark matter, it feels a little bit like saying God did it. And are we overusing this term for things we don't understand? So I think I think a lot of and I just invited a lot of trolls on on your Twitter. Sorry oh, no. about that. Just for Fine. bringing religion in. Um, I think I think a lot of people use the term dark matter or something like that to as a stand-in for something we don't understand. In in this case, though, with dark matter it in the astrophysics specific. sense, yeah, it's yeah. very specific. It's okay. it's a kind of matter. It has gravity. It's distributed okay. in a certain way in the universe. It's probably some kind of new particle. Like we have, we know the we know a lot about the properties of dark matter. So we can't just kind of throw it in anywhere. We're confused. Um, at the same time, though, a lot because we don't know about the particle properties of dark matter, because we don't know what the particles it's are doing. Made of. Um, yeah, so a lot of times there's this funny phenomenon in astrophysics where we're trying to find like evidence of particle interactions of dark matter, like out in space, mm-hmm. um, and so we think that maybe what would happen would be that the particles would come together and annihilate and make some kind of like weird radiation that we don't expect. And so a lot of times when astronomers see you know, more gamma rays coming from someplace than they thought they were. They're like, maybe that's dark matter, matter. Mm. you know? And so there's this, there's this kind of constant cycle of like, there's a weird signal in space. Maybe that's dark. Yeah. Dark matter is doing a thing. And <laughs> now then, I'm just you know, revealing you, that I watch too much TV, but that just sounds like house where he's like, they're like, maybe it's lupus. Right, it's like, right, it's right, not lupus. Yeah, no, it's like, yeah. Jesus, like can right. we get a t-shirt that say it's not dark matter? It's not a tool. Well, it's never dark matter. I mean, yeah. Eventually it might, it might be, you know, it's and sometimes some, dark matter. And sometimes is dark matter. Yeah. Some of these signals could, could turn out to be signals of yeah. dark matter. But in the meantime, like we've, we've discovered really interesting like pulsar physics because pulsars were doing huh. something that was weird and we didn't understand it at first. It looked like it could have been dark matter. Okay. So a whole bunch of people studied it and now and then we're like, now like, okay. we know more about pulsars. So, yeah. you know, a lot, we're learning a lot about okay. astrophysical objects for, by, you know, thinking we might see dark matter. Okay. Hang on. I want to ask. So thank you. Dark matter. Yeah. R- relatedly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Another question. Uh, this one comes from Patreon from John Emerson, who wants to know what technological advances would we need to be able to detect or collect dark matter? It right, sounds like right. we have things underground, yeah, underwater. Yeah. Yeah, so so underground detectors are getting more and more sensitive all the time. And the, the, the trick with underground detectors is to be able to detect the motion of of something in your detector as the dark matter particle comes and bumps into it, but know that it definitely wasn't anything else. And so, mm-hmm. so you need really good shielding. And even when you have really good shielding, like, you know, a neutron coming out of a radioactive decay in the walls of your detector could bump into something and make it look like dark matter. So the shielding is really tough, but then you also need like ways to discriminate between different kinds of um, interactions. And then eventually we're going to need to do something like directional detection where um, we need to know which direction these things are coming from because that'll be able to tell us if it's really dark matter or if maybe it's like neutrinos or something like that. And so I think one of the cutting edge things right now is trying to build detectors that can tell the direction of events that are coming in and that that's going to help a lot when we get down to levels where the, these interactions are just so, so tiny. So there's that and then there's um, better telescopes to better measure like the the bending of light um, from you know gravitational lensing as, as dark matter clumps are bending space. Um, so mm-hmm. just better telescopes is one thing. And then, um, you know, 
new kinds of technologies that test other kinds of dark matter that have different properties. Like there's a kind of dark matter called an axion. I mean, it's a theoretical possibility for what dark matter might be. And with those, you use these like giant magnets and you have these like resonance chambers and there's all sorts of interesting technology built up in that. Is this also underground or is this? this uh, the axion detectors, um, they don't have to be deep underground. Um, I think some of them are like, you have to shield somehow, but but it has to do with like you have these magnetic fields and, and it's just a, it's a really cool experiment where basically a dark matter particle can come in and like convert to a photon and then back into a dark matter particle and you get you get these interesting effects from Is that. this something how does one get involved in this? Like I don't want to make it sound like a, like a habitat for humanity like can I come help on yeah, a telescope yeah. on Saturdays or something but it sounds like we need a lot of people working on this stuff. Well, I mean there's a lot there's a lot you can do um like if you if you're able to get involved in some kind of like undergraduate research or something like that. Yeah. There are a lot of experiments that, that need people working on them. There's also stuff you can do not related directly to dark matter, but to astrophysics in general. Like there's this galaxy zoo project where you can go online and, and sort of yes. look at, look at pictures of galaxies and tell what kind of galaxies they are. And sometimes people find really interesting new oh, things cool. okay. in that. And so and you, you can yeah, sign citizen up and science. Yeah, so there's a bunch yeah. of citizen yeah. science stuff around that, which can be really fun. But you know, a lot of it is, a lot of what's happening in dark matter right now is like you have to be in the sort of research community. Insanely high level. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes. Time to go get another PhD. I know. I was Andrea. like, mm, you don't want my help. <laughs> she already has Ugh. one. I'm yeah. going to actually play a really quick game because uh, having a scientist on, I think, uh, getting some who, what, where, when questions is kind of fun. So okay. I would, basically I have a, uh, for the listeners at home, I'm holding an R2-D2 uh, um, cookie jar. It's extremely just cool. Not, this is a who okay. question. I've, Thank you. I've chosen a question. It what says, is the question? who inspired you to become a scientist? Oh gosh. Uh, I mean, there were a lot of people who were inspirations to me. Um, one was, is my mom. She was really into science fiction and, and science and space and stuff like that when I was growing up. And so I used to seal her science fiction magazines and, and she always used to <laughs> that's help. Really that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. She's cool. And she would take me to like talks where other scientists were talking about like astronomy and stuff. And one of the people who I saw speak when I was young was Stephen Hawking. Oh, wow. oh my gosh. He was, he was a real uh, inspiration to me. Um, I read, you know, brief history of time I got really excited about the idea of black holes and space time and the big bang and and that that really kind of pushed me to 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 want to answer these big big questions yeah. and so now then I got into cosmology and I actually ended up uh working at Cambridge University for a while and I would interact with Stephen Hawking sometimes uh what? there which was amazing <sighs> cool so yeah okay that's okay that that's a wonderful answer to a quick question but here we go this is uh what uh what would you tell a future aspiring astrophysicist? Right. Um, so uh, I, I actually have a web page on my, on my website that, that goes through a whole bunch of advice because I get these questions okay. a lot. Um, but and you can find it on, if you on go to astrokady.com. Yeah, okay. astrokady.com. There's a, there's a section there in the frequently asked questions section because it is a frequently asked question. Um, I mean, I think that the, the main thing is to, uh, you know, do a lot of math. And, and you don't have to be like a math genius. You get better at math by practicing yeah. it. Um, you know, study physics, try and get some kind of um, experience like working in maybe citizen science or, or undergraduate research or something like that to see how you feel about it, how you like it, like what you enjoy. Um, and uh, I mean, I don't know. I, would, I guess what I would tell a future aspiring astrophysicist is that there are a lot of really interesting, amazing questions that we can, we can try and answer. And it's, it's fantastic to be part of that process. I mean, you must just walk around feeling like 
like all the, you're like thinking about the biggest questions there are. Like I study Congress. Like this is so trivial <laughs> and terrible for many reasons. Well, even before it's important I talk to right you, now. Right? Well, I mean, I mean, you know, there's yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of interesting questions out there. <laughs> we have to study all of them. Well, I don't know if uh, if you want to do a real quick one. Okay, one more. Sure. This is a one where more. we just have to, and then we have to. Force. Where is your favorite place in New York City? Cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, These I are mean, hard hitting questions. I know. I game. like it. Yeah. Hard hitting. I I I find it difficult to not go to the American Museum of Natural History when I'm in town. Excellent so. nice, answer. Very nice. Okay. Oh, great. Well, uh, this concludes uh, an episode of Star Talk All Stars Cosmic Query Edition with the amazing astro- uh, theoretical astrophysicist Katie Mack. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's and again, pleasure. where can people find you? Oh, um, you can find me on the internet. My website is astrokatie.com. I'm also on Twitter as at astrokatie. And I'm on Instagram, which I use sometimes, but I'm not astrokatie on Instagram. I'm academic nomad because somebody else took the astrokatie name. Oh, but what? Can, we but will find that person. There's, there's a link from my webpage to my Instagram if you want to find that. And I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash astrokatie. Okay, good. Yes. <laughs> Follow all those things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and also, thanks so much, Andrea Jones-Roy. Anytime. Comedian extraordinaire. Where can people find you? You can find me on my website, not as cool as Astro Katie's, but jonesroy.com is just my last name with no hyphen, or at jonesroy on Twitter or Instagram. Do it. She's very funny. And I've been your host, Natalia Reagan. You can find me on Twitter at Natalia13Reagan. And remember to stay curious and keep looking up. <laughs> <laughs>